0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am Joel. And actually today I have a very special guest, one of my favorite people in the world. Normally my dad is the host, who's also one of my, he's the my favorite person in the world probably, but I've got my friend, Mike Novolio with me. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Joel? Good. So I met Mike a few years ago and his story was so mind-blowing, inspirational, and fascinating to me that he actually made it, his story made it into chapter three, of the new book, connecting the dots. So, if you've been listening to the podcast, we just did a series about literally every chapter in the book. And in chapter three, ironically, it's called "The Guide." And when you hear Mike's story, you're going to be like, "Wow, you must have planned that." I actually didn't plan it. I just felt like his story of hearing God's voice and obeying it fit perfectly in that chapter. In that chapter, I tell the story of Mike. And I met Mike because a guy—it was a pastor at a church called Woods Edge. Uh, Jeff is his name, right? Pastor Jeff at. Woods Edge? Jeff yeah. Wells. Jeff Wells. He one day said, you got to meet this guy. And I walked out, met Mike. Mike has been doing something amazing. He His mission is to help development in Africa through repairing water wells. So a lot of people go to Africa and dig water wells, but those things break pretty quickly. And then there's, the, you know, every back to drinking the swill or walking 20 miles to get their water. Mike saw a need for that. And you're going to hear from his story that he kind of he was already in the business of punching, punching holes in the ground. So he knows a little bit about wells, different kind of well, but, uh, so he, he ended up going on this mission trip, got passionate and excited about water wells. And now he, every year takes people all over the world to climb mountains, but it all started by climbing Mount Kilimanjaro to raise money. So I'm going to, I don't want to share too much because his story is amazing, but I'm gonna let him tell it. But Mike, tell us what first got you to Africa. Cause I mean, I mean, who, who goes to Africa? Like that's, that's a pretty long trip. It's ne- it's still not easy to get there. I mean, it's about a 24-hour process just to get there. So tell me about how you first got to Africa.
1: Well, uh, my wife and I were 56. I'm 71 now. And uh, our church was saying, hey, we're going to go on a mission trip to Kenya. And they said, oh, we're going to um, help some churches in some slums of Nairobi with some projects. And we were going to uh, go see some water well activity, which I knew nothing about. But I thought, OK, well, that's interesting. And then they said they were going to go on a safari. And so, so I mean, I wanted to do something good, but the safari was kind of like the, the the um tip the the tipping point to to decide to go on the trip. The safari, yeah. I'm this guessing is this a- is
0: a photo safari. You weren't hunting elephant or anything,
1: <laughs> right? Okay, was, oops, okay. <laughs> oops, 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 i got to hit remind me on that. Uh, so, <laughs> geez, sorry about that. Um, yeah. So you go on, and you
0: I, go on this mission trip that's got a promise of a photo safari on the end, which was kind of the, the icing that said, "All right, we got to do this." Yes.
1: So, um, yeah, so we went on this trip and uh, the first thing we did was help these churches in, in Nairobi. And uh, then we went out about, I don't know, six hours from uh, Nairobi towards the Indian Ocean. And uh, on the way, we saw people digging holes in driver beds for water. And I said, stop the car, and I want to take a look at this. And sure enough, they were scooping water out of this uh, hole, that, that, out of this little like pool of water they had gotten down to and wow. putting it in jerry cans and loading on their donkeys and going off into the bush. And then we went to uh, the, the, the plans. So that was the first thing that happened. That wasn't even planned. And then the second thing that wasn't my plan the second thing was we got to this village and uh this uh we interviewed this man and and his young son and asked him how far they had to go to get water before and he said uh 20 kilometers and i thought oh man that's (laughs) just like uh, their whole life is centered around this and then finally uh we saw well being uh drilled and uh uh, by an, an organization and so i got back from that trip and I I said what what do you want me to do God I mean it just really impacted me of course the safari was cool but that wasn't why God brought me over there he brought me over there to see this problem with water
0: now I love what I love about your story I remember the first time you told me this you said yeah God used my own selfish desires and I was like oh I I yeah. think yeah. I'm convinced theologically that God puts those desires in your heart you know that the delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart and uh, I thought it was really—is this is funny? Because I mean, how many times have we had something where we're like, "Wow, I really like this." Is this okay, God? Like, I'm enjoying what I'm doing here. Is this okay for me to enjoy what I'm doing? Is—is is God's will always supposed to be miserable? And I love your story because God used those desires in your heart to get you right where He needed you to be. So, talk about that's the next exactly. step. Talk about the next step in the process because that's encouraging. Look, if you got something in your heart, you're like, "Man, I I really want to go to Southeast Asia." Hey. Go for it. Who knows what God's yeah. got waiting for you there? Get on the ground, and then you'll probably find out what he's got for you.
1: Well, yeah, the next step was I couldn't wait to go back to Africa, and and but I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I found this organization that was repairing wells in Sudan, South Sudan, and I thought repairing wells, well, that's interesting. I guess they break. And so that was a whole experience of of learning how to fix wells. And, and that organization required us to, to memorize Bible stories. So we memorized Bible stories. We'd share those in the, in these villages in South Sudan at the same time while we're fixing the wells. And then later that year, so that was 2009, later that year, I got invited to go back to Kenya. And then just before that, a friend of mine said that I'd met through that church, uh, why don't you go to Malawi and see what Child Legacy is doing? So uh went to Africa twice in 2009 and went out to a village and we helped prepare a well. And I said to the pastor, I said, can I share a Bible story that I memorized recently? And he said, yes. And um, the next thing I knew, uh, God was saying, you need to ask them if they want to receive Jesus as their savior. And I thought, oh, they're not going to be interested, Lord. No, 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 they're not. And he said, you're never going to be in this village again. You, you need to ask them. And so I did. And all these people, 40 of them uh, get up from the, the The dirt uh, ground they were sitting on, and uh, except you know, we go through the sinner's prayer, and it's like I, I tell people all the time now that was like very high on my list of impactful events of my life. I was born, I was born again, got married, two kids, four grandkids, and that event. Wow, that just that just changed everything. The whole course of my life changed um, more more for that than any other thing I think um, since.
0: Now, that brings up an interesting point because you're not a uh you're you're not a preacher. What we what was yeah. your career at the time? That's that's what's really cool to me as God used you to preach the word, but what's your career?
1: Yeah, I I was forty-three years in the oil and gas industry as a petroleum seismologist, mostly exploration and some development.
0: That's I mean, that's 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 encouraging because a lot of people are like, Well, I could never I could never preach the Bible or lead people, to the Lord. And here you were. Uh you, you didn't Go to seminary or anything, but you you know the Bible, you taught the Bible, and people responded, and I think that's encouraging for a lot of people too. Because maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're in Houston right now working, and we have a lot of people listening from Houston. Maybe you're working in an oil oil company and going, man, how could God ever use this? Hey, it's amazing. Well, what God you
1: know, use. A, a pastor of mine once told me when I asked him, "How do you know when you retire?" and he said, "Well, you're already doing ministry." while you're also having a vocation. He mm. said you're perfectly positioned to continue doing that ministry when you retire. He says he, stories all the time of people that say, okay, when I retire, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start that. No, you don't want to do that. You want to start doing something while you're still having a vocation. That's because what, you're just going to launch. It's going to be so easy. To just keep continue doing that.
0: Which is exactly what happened to you. And you know, I've seen that as a counselor. One of the things I've seen is that guys who have not figured out a mission beyond work before they retire. Honestly, Mike, a lot of them die within a few short years. The statistics on people retiring and then dying are not good. (laughs) But I think a lot of it's because when your whole purpose been wrapped up in nine to five in it or whatever it is, eight to four. You, what was cool about you is you found your mission early on, so much so that you were almost. This was almost your full time mission while you were still juggling working, and you got your business involved and supporting the, the the ministry. It was super cool to watch how you you just talk a little bit about that sense of mission that you can have and balancing even that while you're still at your job. Cause you, you for 10 years, you balance those things at least, right? The, the water wells, you pretty, just recently retired. Reti- yeah. And I say retired very loosely because you're working harder now probably than when yeah. you retired. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean the first clean water climb is what we ended up calling it. Was 2011 when I felt. Well, that's part of the maybe I shouldn't talk about that right now. Well, so anyway, I I I, I even talked to my CEO about this experience I had in Malawi, okay. and I said, and I showed him pictures, and I said, I you know I'm trying to figure out what the next step is. I don't know, but I planted seeds in in his head, and I couldn't stop telling everybody about it. You know, and the the first thing was okay, I just need to. I just need to bring people there to see it. And maybe they'll want to sponsor some water well repairs. Uh, we started sponsoring water repairs. Maybe we can get some other people to do that. Maybe just bring people and get, they can see the vision as well. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I would tell people at work. We had a fellowship Bible study. Uh, I would tell neighbors, friends. But, you know, I, the word got out at work that I'd gone on this trip and I get, gave little, you know, slideshows and stuff like that of what, what it was all about. And and people liked it. You know, they, they thought, wow, this is pretty cool.
0: So you, you, you started, uh, tell the story real quick. So you started doing these repairs and then one time you're flying back from Africa. So you're already, oh, yeah. the, the vision is already in motion, right? And then right. God added an extra twist to it. Again, delight yeah. yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires yeah. of your heart. Tell about that twist yeah. of the guy you met on the plane. I love that story.
1: So I went back in 2010, you know, bringing people with me and and hoping other people would be interested and want to, and want to help this organization in Malawi fix water wells. And, uh, You know, we were flying back from through from the long way Malawi to Nairobi to London to Houston. But the leg from Nairobi to London, a Brit sat next to me. And I know that because he told me he was a Brit. And he was almost not even sitting completely down in his chair. And he said, what were you doing in Africa? So I told him about these four trips, you know, the Kenya, Sudan, second Kenya slash Malawi and then a, a full on Malawi trip. And uh, then and and why I was doing it and and so forth and then I and then I asked him well what were you doing in uh, in, in Africa and he said well him and thirty four of his friends just climbed Kilimanjaro to raise money for a charity in England I think it was a hospital wow and I thought What well, climb a mountain for a fundraiser <laughs> in Kilimanjaro and I thought wow that would be incredible I had seen. Hillman from a distance in, in from the air in the past and it was intriguing. It was huge and I didn't know much about it. Oh, how many of you made it? And He said thirty-two and I thought, oh, that can't be. It can't be very high if thirty-two out of thirty-four people made it. And he said, well, it's nineteen thousand three hundred forty-one feet. And I said, I couldn't ever do that. I mean, I got headaches at fourteen thousand in California mountains. So, wow. <laughs> and then that led to a whole discussion about how I did everything wrong thirty-five years ago climbing mountains. <laughs>
0: So I I love that because again, it's something that you were already excited about potentially doing, and then God used it. And Mm -hmm. so you've been, how many people have you taken the top of Kilimanjaro? But when I wrote the book, I think I said you had taken over 120. What's your number now?
1: I think we're about 135. Yeah.
0: So every year you're taking 10 to 15 people.
1: Yeah. And and we got at least seven signed up this year already. so.
0: So to put this in context, I mean, how many times have you climbed the mountain now? Uh, 15. So I've done it twice. The first time I did it, I got horrible altitude sickness. Cause like you said, I did it all wrong. Didn't know what I was doing. Uh, the second time I did it, we got to the top. I don't really think I want to be doing that on a yearly basis. You're 71 and you've done this thing over 15 times. I mean, that's mind blowing, mind blowing to me. And you're not letting up either because you, you also have added other hikes to the trip. So you guys are doing, you do the Nepal Everest base camp, right? Uh, Yes, we do. You also did the highest peak in South America, if I remember correctly, right? Aconcagua? Yes.
1: Yes. We did Aconcagua. We've done some volcanoes in Ecuador. We just did Machu Picchu last uh, April.
0: I love this. Of course, this is speaking my language because I love using outdoor adventure. But what I love is that you're you're raising money by allowing – you're – giving people something really fun to do while you're raising money for it. And I thought, I, th- I just think that's amazing. We're enjoying God's creation. Something, you know, he gives us a verse, there's a verse that says he gives us all things to enjoy. And uh, so much of creation, I feel like we, you know, you, you think, well, you separate, well, there's my outdoor adventure stuff and then there's church or whatever, you know, like sometimes you can have church in the outdoors and you don't even realize what's going on as God's speaking to you. Talk a little bit about that. What have you seen people's perspectives change and stuff while you're taking them on these adventures before they even climb, dig wells? Like that's the cap of right. all of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. So, you know, we've, we've tweaked the trip a lot. We've done different routes. We've kind of settled on one route and, uh, it's one of the most beautiful routes and, and the most successfully summited route. It's called Lamosho. And, and people are just, they're just in awe. I mean, you know, even though I've done it 15 times, you know how the, the weather is and sunsets and all that, it's always different. Yeah. And we have so many stories like in 2017, we passed up Harrison Ford. On the hike. <laughs> no I way. I mean, would <laughs> yeah, when I got back, somebody said, "Oh, you're bound to do that if you keep doing this over and over again. You're going to see everybody up there." And, but anyway, so that was like incredibly uh, fascinating and 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 surprised. And so there's always some kind of surprise on the trip, you know. And and like we had some incredible sunsets. You see the Milky Way, you know. Um, I, we had some incredible views of the Milky Way again this year that I was able to capture uh, doing some you know time exposures. And it's just, it's just jaw dropping the beauty of God's creation, you know, not just the mountain, but the stars and the galaxy and all that. So people are really, and we do a devotional uh, based on the life of Abraham that my pastor wrote for, mm. at our church. And, and so we literally go through Abraham's story every day of the trip, starting from leaving in the airport to to arriving back in the United States. And uh, it's it's a great devotional and it causes some great conversations sometimes, you know, of people's struggles. So it's an opportunity to kind of get away from it all, see God's creation, you know, look inwardly sometime and, and share some of your struggles that you're going through in life. And we can pray for one another. Um, it, it's just the whole thing is, um, and, you know, and that's that's after we've already gone on safari and gotten over jet lag and we've gotten acclimated We'd with seeing God's, you know, creation through his animals And, you know, we haven't even gone to Malawi yet, like you said, so yeah, it's uh, quite an experience.
0: What would you say, maybe the top two or three things that God has taught you over the years as you've been leading this organization? Again, I love that you're in the chapter called The Guide, because I talk about the fact in the book that the Holy Spirit is our guide, and most of the time he's guiding us without realizing we're being guided He's just mm-hmm. so good at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you're seeking well, God, what are the two or three things you've learned? Uh, you're the guide, but in your spiritual walk through this whole mm-hmm. journey, God's taking you on.
1: Well, I think the number one of the number one things is based on that verse, Proverbs 69. Um, we make plans, but God orders our steps. Mm. And, and And part of that is, okay, what's in front of you? What opportunities, I mean, are you involved in some kind of ministry or not? Like I said, going back to being at Southwestern Energy, um, you know, I I was doing my job and raising my family, but I wasn't supporting the church, you know, financially and everything and being very involved with people through the church. But then was I really doing anything significant outside of that in terms of something that maybe God's called on my life? I believe, you know, so, so so there's an opportunity to go to Africa. You know, and so I decided, we decided, my wife and I, well, let's just do this. You know, it's an opportunity. We're not doing it. We've never done a mission trip. Let's just do it and see what happens. Right. And so that's what every one of these trips certainly has been like, okay. Oh, go go with Sudan and fix wells. Well, that sounds interesting. Maybe God will teach me something there. So it's like you just keep making these plans as opportunities arise, but then God orders your steps. He shows you things that leads you to, you know, the next next steps, so to speak. So I think that's really big is... Is we need we need to look at opportunities, make plans, and then see how God orders our steps and leads us along that path.
0: Which is a hard—I mean, for a lot of us, our default answer is no. We already feel yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah. We're like, I yeah. don't have time for this. But you're yeah. saying, say yes and just see what God yeah. wants to do. And you're like, Well, what, what? Well, what? Well, then what? After I go to Africa, I don't know. He'll show you the next step once you go, right? right? And of course, some well, people are like, I'll never yeah. go to Africa. But whatever it is, start leading the Bible yeah. study. Whatever it is, yeah. say
1: yes yeah. and. Right. There's more to come, right? Exactly. And it's just been one surprise after another, although I shouldn't be surprised. God's already, God's already planned it all out. I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I'm continually surprised.
0: Yeah. So uh, w- somebody wants to join. They're like, they're pumped up now. Where do they need to go? What trips do you have on the horizon, even for 2022? and or well, Sorry, 2022 is over. 2023 and 2024, yeah. what do you have ahead?
1: Well, we have uh we have Kilimanjaro uh leaving on July 11th uh this year, uh, that trip and that includes going to Malawi. We have you know of course haven't talked about that, but that's okay. That's all about fixing the wells and sharing the gospel. Um and then um then I have Everest base camp um October 29th we leave and uh and then next year I'm already thinking uh the Kilimanjaro trip will be July 3rd departure from Houston or wherever you happen to live. Um Maybe we'll do something in South America. We thought we were going to do something in South America this year. Uh, Chimborazo, it's the active volcano. Actually, it's the highest active volcano in the world. And we did it in 2019, but this year it decided to start erupting. And so they said mm. they've had to you know, close it temp- temporarily. I mean, it, it just erupts off and on every few years. And we just, the timing was bad. So we might do Chimborazo. It's like seven feet higher than Kilimanjaro. <laughs> it's, you know, literally the same the same thing.
0: So if there's somebody that's listening that says, well, I don't want to climb the mountain, but I would love mm-hmm.
1: to go on the well well reparation part of it. Is that an option too? Absolutely. So when we leave Kilimanjaro, we fly down to Malawi. And at the same time, there are people flying in from the U.S. And we literally meet at the airport at the same time and then get picked up by Child Legacy to go to their project site. So when you do the Malawi mission, we go to the sustainability project that's absolutely world-class, mind-blowing it, everybody needs to see this thing. I mean, it's this it's this close to being a hundred percent self-sufficient. I mean, it's all solar and wind, you know, we got fish farming, agriculture, and all of that feeds into a health clinic, not a health cl- health clinic, but also a hospital, a birthing center, a surgery center, you know those things cost money, but you can make money by you know growing macadamia nuts and bamboo and coffee and all that. so we're we're probably three years away from being one hundred percent self-funding. That. And and at the same time, you're you're employing like 300 Malawians, right? So we stay there, and then we go out. And so yeah, so anybody who wants to just do that, they can they can just join what I call the Malawi Mission Team. And uh, if you go to cleanwaterclimb.net dot uh, slash contact, that's one thing you can do. You can also go to my link tree, which is called you know Clean Water Climb link tree, okay. and uh, it, it lists all kinds of stuff there. But I mean, you can go to co- that cleanwaterclimb.net slash contact. Just check the box of what you're interested in, Kilimanjaro, Malawi Mission, South America, whatever, and we'll get back to you.
0: And and, and yeah, we'll... and you're not going to get thrown into some, like Mike will actually contact you. I guarantee you he will. So cleanwaterclimb.net, yeah. I'll put that in the the notes for this, uh, this episode, and it's also in the back of the book. So Mike, yeah, thank clean. you. Thank you so yep. much, man. Go ahead. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks for the time. Uh, connecting the dots, if you want to read Mike's story, it's an amazing story, chapter three. Thanks a bunch, brother.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this with your friends on the platform of your choice. For more from Joel Malm, visit joelmalm.com. For more from Rick Malm, visit rickmalm.com. Our podcast music was produced by Alex Burleson.